I was already doing it. And then when they caught me, it was either help us or get out. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then when I was 17, I was like, what the, f- what, what am I doing? You know, I'm driving across state lines with thousands of dollars worth of cash and multiple felonies in my backseat. Like I got a gun pulled on me in Spokane, Washington. And I'm just like, what, what am I doing? So I, like, I knew that I had to change my life. Hey there, welcome to Inspiring Freedom. When you wish to create a life where you wake up on fire each day and spend your time doing what you love, listen in to learn how other freedom seekers have quit the nine to five and have created an online business around their passions. Now let's dive right on in. Here's your host, Jackie Williams. That is Robert DeLude and welcome to the second episode of the Inspiring Freedom podcast. Today, I had the great honor to chat with Robert, who is the host of the None of Your Business podcast. Robert and I connected on Instagram not so long ago, but I had no idea about his incredible backstory until just recently. At the age of 15, during the time of the GFC in the USA, Robert was supporting his family by selling drugs. He was literally living out of his car not too long ago in Las Vegas, narrowly avoided jail time and extracted himself from an abusive relationship and is turning his life around. He's overcome his addiction to drugs and alcohol and is now clean and sober. Now he's channeling that energy into his podcast, None of Your Business. This episode is brought to you by the Summit Social Academy, a value-packed social media marketing education and mentorship platform. So if you're interested in learning more about how to create an online business so that you have a second income or wish to fire your boss, or perhaps you have a bricks and mortar business and wish to learn how to generate leads with social media, head over to my website, jackiewilliams.com forward slash courses. I have a very special offer for you. Now, I spell my name a little bit differently. Jackie is spelled J-A-C-Q-U-I. So go to Jackie, which is J-A-C-Q-U-I, williams.com forward slash courses. Now let's dive right on in. I'm so happy and so excited here to have Robert DeLude here, who has his own podcast called None of Your Business. And we're going to be chatting today about his journey and how he became to being creating his own podcast and what he's done to create a sense of freedom and more happiness and a life that he loves. So welcome, Robert. Hey, thanks, Jackie. This is exciting. It is really exciting. So look, I'm just going to share with the people who are listening here a bit more about you because you were born and raised in Helena in Montana um, in the USA. And as a kid, you always wanted to be your own boss and help others. But by the sound of it in Montana, and I'm not really that familiar with the States, but you had really long, cold winters and you would spend most of your time shoveling snow. And in the summers, you would have lemonade stands and mow lawns and sell baseball cards. And so I guess, is that where you got your sense of entrepreneurship from, from lemonade stands and mowing lawns and the baseball cards? Yes. Yeah. You know, I my family is just full of entrepreneurs, uh, not in the state that I live in, but growing up, like everyone has their own businesses, sales. My uncle Jerry, he would sell anything, anything. Anybody. And that really attracted to me. But it was just more providing a service and providing that service made me feel good. And it just okay. happens to be entrepreneurship in a way. So I guess you found out what people actually wanted and what you were solving a problem, I guess, really, weren't you? Is that what you were doing? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like, and then as you got older, you got into a bit of dark, you know, a bit of a dark space. I would think you got into using and, and selling drugs to support your family at the age of fifteen. I mean, uh, that is very scary to me because that I find that fascinating how you went into that dark space and that's what you decided to do. Um, yeah. So about twelve years old, um, I started smoking weed, and then thirteen, I got into a car wreck and I messed up my back rotator cuff, couldn't play any more sports. And then I got into, you know, I started taking pills off the street. And then by that time, by 15, just where I graduated to in that world, I was trafficking drugs. And in 2007 or eight, when the market crashed in the United States, my dad had his own business and hit a bunch of spec houses. And when the market crashed, his business failed. So with him dealing with that, and it was, you know, there were my parents kind of had an an idea what I was doing because I would like leave hours of the night in and out people, whatever. It looked sketchy. So they searched my room one time and they found like, I don't know, $7,000 in cash. And they were like, okay. And my dad was like, either you're going to help me or you can get out. And I was 15. I was scared. So I I helped them. You know, I don't regret any decisions that I made, you know, it, uh, but I don't think if anyone in that age should be responsible for that. That's a lot of responsibility. So, so so essentially you did it really to help your family out. Yeah. Well, I did it. I was already doing it. And then when they caught me, it was either help us or get out. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then when I was 17, I was like, what the, f- what, what am I doing? You know, I'm driving across state lines with thousands of dollars worth of cash and multiple felonies in my backseat. Like I got a gun pulled on me in Spokane, Washington. And I'm just like, what, what am I doing? So I, like, I knew that I had to change my life. I knew it. I knew drinking, drugging, running and gunning. Um, hanging out with very, very bad people. And there's this uh, Montana Youth Challenge Academy. Uh, it's like, it's a National Guard based program. And my buddy got me enrolled in that and got me away from the scene. I didn't want to live that life anymore. You know, having that being 15 and having that responsibility thrown on you put me in a dark place. It brought my drug addiction and alcoholism to a whole new level. And like, I don't think even if that happened, it would made my drug addiction any worse because I will obsess over anything. That's just the card that I was dealt. So I, you know, I want to say that I would want to say when I went to the youth challenge program, I got out of my life was dandy, but it wasn't. I started doing the same thing that I was, ended up in treatment, started doing, just running the same people, doing the same thing, really because I didn't have enough self-love for myself. I always had these entrepreneurs and tendencies and I'm like, okay, well, I can go here. I can make people like me. If you, if you buy something for me, if it's a baseball card, lemonade or bag of heroin, like you're calling me, you must like me. So it's really why I did it. And then, you know, uh, uh, last year, I woke up in the ICU. July 9th was actually a year of me waking up in the ICU because of a drug overdose. And, uh, you know, when I when I woke up, I realized that I had to do something different. And my purpose comes from my pain. And now that's really what my podcast is about. Like, we all have struggles. Like, just because I'm a drug addict and alcoholic doesn't mean Joe Schmo is. But maybe Joe Schmo has had other struggles. And, like, how can we be successful? How can we overcome these things? So what did you have to do to put, to change your mind, to change your mindset and to take yourself from that drug addict to, to where you are now with your own podcast and, and having success? So did you read books or what was it that was the catalyst for you for changing? That, you know, that's a very good question because there's so much involved 
in the process. Uh, one, you know, it was going back to a a 12 step program. Yeah. That was the number one listening to podcasts, podcasts dramatically changed my life. Um, the school of greatness by Lewis house. I felt like I could, I was him. I could relate to him, except for I wasn't the pro athlete. Like the school greatness podcast really like was the only source of communication that I had because I was still full of fear didn't know what to do. And then having these people that have gone through similar similar things that I've gone through or people that I know, it's like, you know, it's really, really inspiring. And he, his format of his podcast is what I want to model. You know, it's, but uh, reading books, mentorship is huge. Um, I have many mentors in my life about almost every area of my life. Well, I used to have almost area. You know, a seven-year mentor of mine just ended our relationship the other day. But that's okay. Relationships come and go. Mentorship, you know, praying, meditation. I have to have my day planned out. If my day is not planned out, I have to put... My time has to matter. I have to have good intentions with my time. So if I just wake up and I don't have... And if I just wake up, don't make my bed, don't brush my teeth, walk out the door, I'm not taking care of myself. So how can I take care of others? Yes, exactly. So, really, you know, and I, and I started going to therapy. That's something that I never did because I was ashamed. I think a lot of people have a stigma on going to therapy, especially in the States. I don't know how it is over there, but if you go to therapy, something's wrong with you, you know, a therapist and mentorship, reading books, podcasts, and just being focused on what I want to do. I know that I never want to wake up in the ICU again. Scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like 2018 was the worst year of my life. My engagement ended. It was abusive relationship. She cheated on me. I was homeless in Las Vegas for five months. Where were you sleeping? If you're homeless, were you just in the streets or you went to shelters? In my car. Okay. In my car. And then uh, people, you know, this one gentleman um, let us like stay on his couch every now and then. Like he helped us out tremendously. I still have a little bit of resentment towards him because I think he was sleeping with my fiance at the time. I can't prove it, but why else would like, why would, just the cards don't add up, but he helped us out tremendously. And he actually is the reason that we got home. And then a couple of days after we got home, I woke up with an ICU. So, and I knew that I, my experience could benefit somebody else. I think a lot of men don't get talked about being in a domestic violence relationship. Like I know there's men who beat women, but not the other way around. Like that's not really talked about. So I thought if I can open that conversation and inspire one person to do something better, because I'm 25, I've had failed businesses, creditors after me, drug addiction, you know, uh, in my small town being bisexual is a problem. They don't like gay. They're coming around, but being gay is not really. We're a very small community in the United States. And uh, just having all of these problems, it doesn't stop me from wanting to still want to do the right thing. And try and make a life for myself because working for someone else drives me insane. Telling me that I can't, what I have to wear, when I have to clock on, paying taxes first, which I have no problem paying taxes. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But if the government's taking my money before me, then I I don't think that's right, especially for the poor middle class. Um, I think giving away is, you know, if you are doing good, give it away. I don't get, I can't keep what I have unless I give it away. Anyways, sorry, I kind of went on. I just had a question. I mean, I loved hearing about that, but something I didn't realize though about you before we started talking was that violence, the female violence. So what did that look like for you? Like having someone, because that's, you're right, that's something people don't talk about. And for me, I don't know from a male perspective 
what that looks like from our perspective. Like, is it verbal? Is it physical? Or is it a combination of? of- it was it, it was a combination of both. Um, okay. And it didn't start until about two months into our, our relationship. And then one day I came home from the gym and she thought I was cheating on her. And she just took my phone and smashed it across my face. And I was like, whoa, that's new. And I walked away and I, I just left. And then, you know, a week later, I would, you know, I was taking a shower and she just came in and would just beat me. And I'm like, I'm not like, I won't touch a woman. That's, I work out. I, I'm not saying like I'm the biggest man, but compared to women, I'm, I'm stronger than them. Most women, not all of them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, just a man putting his hands on a woman's not right. So whatever, I would just take it. I would cry. I, uh, a lot of crying. She would manipulate and like tell me I'm not worthy. Tell me how great of a person she is and how shitty of a person I am. Just really lowering my self esteem, lowering my self ego, my self love. I mean, and making me making me feel like I'm less than. Like I, I'm not really a crier. Like when a good friend of mine or family member passes, like I can't cry. I feel like there's something wrong with me. But she could say one word and I would just be in tears. Wow. So she had you that shattered, you were that vulnerable yeah. and and felt had no sense of self-esteem or lack of worth, whatever. She took all of that away from you. Yeah, she did. And you know, then then, you know, some nights she that would rape me and like I didn't think that was possible, but she found a way. Wow. And like I could have left numerous times, but like we were I was codependent. And if you take my source of love from me, it's like taking my heroin away from me. And I would do anything to get it back. And yeah, it was it was rough. And for some reason I decided to ask that woman to marry me. And I'm glad that we never got married because that would be a whole nother nightmare. Is that because you felt like she gave you some sort of identity or or, or you I don't I'm like, I don't know enough about psychology at all but I mean what prompted you to ask her to marry you considering then that all this verbal and physical violence was going on because when she wasn't doing that she made me feel like the most important person in the world so if I put a ring on her then that gave me value because I didn't value myself okay. I didn't have enough self-love I didn't have enough self-care I didn't have enough self-esteem I was always in a spot of lack and like, I didn't know this at the time. This is like working with my therapist and like reading books and like researching it. Now, like a lot of pain and suffering to go through this, but I, I didn't have enough self-love for myself. And, you know, she said her words would say that she loved me. So I believed her. And generally you would believe someone <clears throat> if they told you they loved you. Generally you would believe them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she is very attractive. Like I would say more attractive. Whatever you call attractive, but usually more attractive than like the type of women that I normally date. So like I didn't want to lose it. It was my status symbol. It really, yeah, just the status symbol. I just I wanted to look good in front of others, even though back at home I was a wreck because I didn't have enough self love for myself. I always got to show off. My ego's too big. I don't know if that makes any sense. So did others around you though see what was happening? So oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, Robert, wake up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Every single person in my life, they're like, even uh, so the gym that I go to, that I've been going to for 
eight years, they noticed once I started dating her, I started to change. One of my best friends said that, that she couldn't be around me anymore because I had like this evil just vibe coming off of me once I started dating her. And like everyone told me that she would that that type of girl would just eat me alive. And I'm like, you don't know her like I do. No, she's a good person. And like, just, I thought people were lying. I thought they didn't want to see me happy. But really, like, they did. They didn't want me to go down through this path again. Because with her, like, I had four years of sobriety. And we started dating. And a couple months after we dated, I relapsed. And with her. So she just took me down. Um, my business went under. I lost my job. I was going to school. It was a bright idea to run to Vegas which is 12 hours away from my home. Like I'm in Montana and Nevada is 12 hours away. And it just was a, a living nightmare getting shot at in Vegas, not knowing when your next meal is going to be and being blamed for it. Because when really I'm not blaming her for those things, was she a big influence of it? Yes. Yes, she was. But I have my own part. I could have walked away any time, but I didn't. It literally took the police to tear us apart. And I thought that day was the worst day of my life. So two days later, I tried to kill myself through a drug overdose. Now, like, I'm grateful for that day. Yeah. That day, what, like, now she's locked up and she can't get a hold of me. It's nice. Like, I don't, I'm not mad at her. I'm not, I don't love her anymore. I don't want anything to do with her. I just, it is what it is and be done. And it wasn't always like that. It was a lot of pain and suffering. My thinking it was my fault, yada, yada, yada. But, just being vulnerable and having these conversations with like-minded people has really been a process. And it's it's really cool. Like I never thought that I'd be openly willing to share, tell someone that a girl beat my behind. I think it's such an important message though that you have to share because I think from what I understand, it really is pushed under the carpet and society is very aware of males, you know, being physically violent to females. But when it's on the other foot, yeah, I know that some of my a friend has been through something similar and they immediately think the guy's the perpetrator. They don't believe that the female could actually be physically violent or causing some sort of mental issues with the male. So I know in our society here in Australia, the law is definitely weighted towards protecting the female. And so I think the more we hear about, well, hang on, you know, guys, there are females out there who are just as bad, if not worse than guys, because they're probably more manipulative and they play the system. Yeah. 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 So many times she would come at me with a knife and like, I would one, just like grab her wrist and get the knife off and just be like, done. And then she would call somebody and say that like, oh, I beat her up. And then she would like punch herself in the eye and just like, what the, like, what's going on here? Like, this is, this is insane. And it's just, you know, and I, it's something that I, I just have to look at and observe that she's a sick person. Yeah. There's obviously something not right with her. And yeah. she's a sick person. She's still a child of God. And she's a sick person. And I don't have to be a part of it. I hope she gets well. But I'm going to move on. I'm not going to let that stuff hold me back. If anything, it's just giving me more power for my purpose. You know, I when I started my podcast, I, I had so many ideas. I'm like, what? How? What am I going to do? I don't know what. And throughout, you know, this year, it's evolved into more vulnerability because everyone's vulnerable. Everyone has struggles. So when I talk to anybody who has a struggle that's gone through it, because maybe somebody on the other side of the headphones will relate and do something about it. It might not be right there that second, but maybe down the road, they'll start taking action. And I think I think that's pretty cool. 
because that's what happened to me. Like I listened to podcasts and slowly but surely now I'm doing a podcast. So let's chat about your podcast because it's, it's a, such a wonderful thing and I'm so proud of you and um, I've watched your journey, but I, I wasn't there from the start, but I sort of, I've sort of jumped in halfway through and watched you grow. So, like it takes a bit of a me- momentum to get up to creating a podcast. So what was it like to actually leading up to creating your first episode? What did you have to go through? Uh, well, you know, it was about a seven-year preparation. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, at 19, when I got out of treatment, I started, I found Gary Vaynerchuk and I followed Gary Vaynerchuk and I was like, you know, it'd be cool to do a podcast, but also I didn't have enough self-love for myself or self-confidence to do it. And I'm like, I would, you know, I was a student of the game for seven years. And finally, when, uh, after that incident in 2018, it, well, six years. So, um, in 2018, I, uh, like I had like a $20 gift card or a $50 gift card from like Amazon or something. And the, I just looked on to see like where Mike, like how much my microphones were on uh, Amazon for podcasts. And like, I found a setup for like 50 bucks. And so I got it and then was like, who am I going to, who do I want to interview? And it was mainly just, just asking people. Um, my first episode is Dylan Ostrout. He is a, uh, a very good mentor of mine. He's a good friend, but he's a mentor of mine and he just kills it in the real estate business. And uh, he's a huge part of my life today. But uh, I wanted to do so many things. I want to like have an episode. It was, I can't even explain the ideas that I had, but I, like Dylan could probably tell you, he just, I want to do this. I want to do that. He's like, just really just focus in on one thing. You can't be a master of everything. But I'm like, but I'm going to be the one to do it. So, you know, uh, a couple hours before me and Dylan met up to record, I was sitting in a coffee shop and I'm like, you know what? Brene Brown really does a great job at getting people to open up. So I watched her TED Talk after, like, I always watch her TED Talks, but I watched it that morning and watched The Power of Vulnerability. You know, then I go meet Dylan and Dylan and I take a walk around the park. When we're, you know, we go around the park, we go to his office, then we record. And then he starts talking about Brene Brown and the power of vulnerability. And it's like, oh, like when the stars align, the stars align. I'm like, okay, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's like, wow. Like he had no idea that I was listening to watching Brene Brown. And it's just like, okay, then we're on the right track. We're on the right track here. And, you know, I... I started using Anchor, the Anchor app, and just I had no idea what I was doing. I editing, no idea. The questions, no idea. I what am I gonna do? And with Dylan's help and reading other books and other influencers, I'm just really trying to hone on my craft, which one is one reason I haven't published an episode in over a month. Well, one, that's one of the reasons. Anyways, I'll get back to that later. Reading books and just studying other people. Chris Smith's book, The Conversion Code is a real estate book, but he really breaks down how to get people without being, how to get people to engage into your content without paying for it. And I used his principles out of his book and I would start hash, searching hashtags. And I think that's how I found you. Yeah. Like just through trial and error. If you provide value up front, then you win. And then throughout the months, I've gotten, you know, a little bit, I think I'm a big shot and I'm just like, Hey, be on my podcast. And they're just like, what? And I like get shut down, shut down, shut down. And I got to remember, like, 
No, provide value, use these principles, engage in with them and expect nothing in return. Yeah. You know, when I expect that I'm going to get that person on my podcast or if having that person on my podcast is going to gain something, then it usually doesn't work out. No, you've um, got to give this. Yeah. In the last, I've probably had 60 interviews cancel on me and like, would, I don't even know what happens. Like either they like flake out, they get scared. And I understand that they get scared because like, even though I interview people like all day, I'm like, oh no, wow. like for this, like, and it really gave me more self-awareness, but like having people cancel on me is one reason why I haven't published an episode in a month. I just, I want to have influencers on my show or anybody on my show who practices what they preach. And throughout the process, um, I'm not going to say his name, but there is a very successful influencer and a very successful investor, pretty well known, that told me he would charge me X amount of dollars to be on my show. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I have no problem paying for your time. The next day I opened up that email, I was scrolling through his Instagram and he posts a video saying that he doesn't charge anybody for the first time. He gives his content away. He gives his books away. He gives this away. And I'm just like, I don't want you on my show. That's not congruent at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I had no problem paying him how much he wanted. Yeah. But then... The next day, he yeah. literally posted a video out saying how he gives his content away. That's why how he gives his time away, how he gives books away, pop sockets, pop it, whatever he said. He said in his clip, and I and I really sat there and I observed. I'm like, okay, maybe these influencers, maybe everyone on Instagram isn't practicing what they preached. So really focusing on the people with the smaller following has really smaller followings are actually the ones that have the most the biggest number of downloads in my when i look at my analytics which is kind of weird i had evan carmichael on like a month ago and like his episode didn't do very well compared to what i thought it would wow i go so why do you think that is you know i i've been going back and forth on this and i think they go in these phases of being a circuit speaker per se and you know the other Joe Schmo that's in the same spot as me or might be a little bit more ahead of me, he might have booked Evan a month ago. And Evan just says the same thing over and over again in a different way or uh, not saying anything bad about Evan. I'm just using Evan as an example. It could be anybody. I think they just go in these circuits and they're hitting everybody. And, oh, well, I already know his story 12 times. And then compared to somebody who isn't out there, somebody who's new. Yeah. They're like, okay, let's... I don't know who this is. Let's find out who it is. And I thought it would be the other way around. I thought having Evan on my show, like Evan did a great job and I appreciate the time he did. And he's helped me out after our episode tremendously. But he's just one of the biggest people I've had on my show. So unfortunately, he is the one that's being talked to. I was going to ask you though, for someone though that came from such a lack of self-esteem with going through everything that happens in your past, then to have people knock you back who failed to turn up to uh, you know, to your podcast or to chat in your podcast. How does that? How do you handle that rejection? Like, is it something because you've gone through the therapy that you can now deal with that a lot better? No, because I just look like how I the mentality that I'm in while trying to reach out to somebody is just like being a salesman. You know, I have experience in sales. I've sold cars. I've sold cell phones. Been in retail. Worked in customer service. Really, like, whatever. Like, it hurts. Like, but when somebody genuinely says no, I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. Move on. But when I think because of how I'm approaching it is why they said no, then it affects me personally. If I could approach it differently and worded things differently, or maybe gave that person time to think, then I reflect on, okay, 
what could I have done different? But if I, if I do everything right and they're just like, no, I'm not interested, then it doesn't affect me. So that's kind of like a mixed answer, but I really look on my behavior and how could I have made that different? Because scripts are, I didn't believe in scripts, but scripts are vital, vital. And I wish I started doing in the beginning, like somebody recommended, but I didn't. Having a set script, but maybe changing a few words is vital. It's something you gotta have a set system that works. And when I would go from not being a set system, just being a hot shot in my head, and that person would say no, I'm like, oh no, I messed that up. Like that person would have been awesome. But really, I only wanted that person for a status. Okay. So you're coming from the wrong place energetically anyway. So you're probably doing it more for an ego boost rather than from a place of giving and sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the last seven months that I've done my podcast, one, I get to talk to people like you that's in Australia. And uh, that that's really cool. But, you know, Evan Carmichael, I've been following him for six, seven years. Uh, Jim Wendler, he is, he wrote the book 531. And he is the first person, the first program that I went after started when I started working out. And I got to talk with him. I had a conversation with a lady in Norwegian today. And then I had a conversation with a guy in Kentucky. He's a big sobriety influencer. And like, that's pretty cool. Like having these conversations with anybody in my living room, it's just, it blows me away. And being on a real note, and hopefully somebody on the other side can listen. And like, I'm a really introverted person. It blows my mind. And I can't hear in my right ear. So it kind of doesn't make any sense why somebody who's shy and can't hear starts a podcast. But so then I guess what advice then? So given that you are shy and introvert and given the world we live in with the Wi-Fi and we can work from anywhere, we can earn an income online and we can earn income from your sleep. What advice would you give to people who are just starting out who would just like you? And what would you say to them, those who want to create a better life themselves? Starting a podcast or just starting in general? Oh, probably starting a podcast. Okay, I'm just making sure I understood you correctly. Just start. Just start was always in something in the back of my head for the six, seven years that I didn't start. Just start. Like, if you're gonna, you're not gonna be perfect. Your episode's gonna suck. If it's great, then you should have started four years ago. And that is a quote from Evan Carmichael adding, but he, it, is right. Let's just start. Like I, I always would have, should have, could have, would have, should have, could have, would have, should have, could have. If I yeah. started my podcast six years ago, I would maybe have X mount, whatever. But just start, and then when you start, you're gonna, you're gonna fail. You're gonna fail forward. But just start, and then practice. Practice your craft. Give yourself time. Schedule schedule there's tools out there that i wish that i took like calendly is a great tool to schedule appointments and then libsyn or podbean the more automated that it can be will keep your sanity down and take all social media off your phone because if you're like me having that little red dot of gratification every time or looking at your analytics every time i haven't looked my analytics in like two months because i was only focused on the numbers i didn't care um and i'm not doing it for the numbers i'm doing it to provide value and just really know what's your why why do you want to do it what does that look like why you know where will that get you? How will that end? Whatever. Stuff like that. Just really getting down and having these different levels of your why is really important. And not treating the person on the other end like a dollar sign or a number for your analytics. Like I, I think why uh, I was doing when I started doing uh, podcasts with people not in my hometown 
video was so vital to have that human connection. I was driving across the state of Montana to get that human connection. And it was in wintertime and I was just absolutely, it was driving me crazy. But video, you can you can have that human connection as much as possible. Just start. It doesn't matter if you're talking about Pokemon cards or whatever. It's just start and you're going to learn on the way. I had no idea how to do a podcast. Luckily, one of my business mentors, he is a mo- uh, movie producer in Africa. So luckily, he showed me some editing tips and suggestions on what I could do better. But just start. It just, I wit, you know, I don't want to say I wish I started seven years ago, but I wish I said, I wish I started seven years ago because it just in the seven months that I've done it, I'm talking to people that I have looked up to for years. It's pretty cool. And I'm learning about so much people and I'm getting these messages on it or emails on a daily basis. Like, Oh, your story is so inspiring. You've helped me out. I'm just like, what? It blows my mind. So I, I don't know. It's definitely weird being the one interviewed. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, this is uh this is different and I am loving every minute of it, but it's it's different. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but what I guess for someone starting out, is there one thing that you'd wish you had done differently? Is there one thing that you can say to them you can that they can avoid some pain by by sharing something that you've done that you'd wish you hadn't done when starting your podcast? Yeah. Make sure the platform that you're using is one that will give you the most automation. That is vital. I was using platforms that weren't as much automated and I thought I could do everything myself. And it wasn't just the podcast platform, but I thought I could email everyone by myself. I thought I could advertise a lot of myself. I thought I could edit all by myself. I thought I could do this. And one thing that I wish I didn't do I was committed to making two episodes a week. And that just drained me. If you're working a full-time job, I was working two. And I go to the gym and I, yeah, it was draining me. So one thing that I wish I did, I wouldn't do two. I would start one, hone your craft. But to hone your craft, you just have to get the content out there. Maybe interview people for practice, but don't be a podcast or don't interview anybody just to get anybody. Just interview people for practice. And then when somebody you want is out there or whatever your podcast is, if you're by yourself, whatever, just practice record it just get it out there it's never going to be perfect and just get it out there but automation i I would say and i know automation is expensive i still can't afford it but the little that i have paid for it has dramatically made my life when you say automation what do you mean by that so like i'm editing the podcast uploading it promoting it so uploading uploading i can't afford an editor that's that's one reason why a lot of my episodes weren't edited and and then when i started editing it it just takes a lot more time especially that i've been been trying to learn video audio editing is pretty simple a lot easier than video that's for sure oh really but oh yeah yeah it's super super easy compared to video video those guys are geniuses youtube makes it seem a lot easier um uh, having a platform like Libsyn, um Libsyn's probably the best or blueberry they will distribute them to your social media accounts to itunes to spotify to google play instead of you going individually into those websites or those other uh sub platforms to get your website or to get your podcast out there and that just takes a lot of time if you can uh one either hire an assistant you know i have a buddy who helps me schedule podcasts now we have an arrangement worked out and i forward everything to him he schedules it puts it in my calendar and it's less personable but if i'm gonna this is too much time if you're working 40 hours a week i was working 80 at the time 
and trying to do two episodes a week. Sometimes I record three, four episodes a day. It just took a lot of more time. So when I gave myself more time through automation or paying somebody to do the work, what I'm best at, well, maybe not best at, but what my doing is interviewing people. So I need to have my focus on interview. But Blurberry, Libsyn, and having those platforms just distribute them to uh, your plus one. If you're your Instagram, Facebook, plus one, YouTube, LinkedIn, plus one, uh, your email list to your contact list. It just, and you know, each like Blurberry is great for other podcasters and Lipson's great for others. Podbean's great for others. But I think if you can get on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you're a game changer. Everyone pretty much has Spotify. I don't know how to get on Pandora. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But do you have an iPhone? I do have an iPhone. Yep. Exactly. So how many people have iPhones? Probably in like 80% of the population. I don't, I don't know. I'm guessing. That's not going to go out of your way to download Google Play or Podbean when you have the Apple Podcast app on your phone. So, and then really one thing that I really wish that I took time in was the description and tags in my podcast. In the, in, in the bio, not the bio, the description, I just would throw out random stuff, maybe heart to heart. And didn't really put much heart into it. The result of that shows like through the algorithms, that's just like Instagram or Facebook to get search key tags and to run against your competitor. Does that determine how your podcast is searchable and how it shows up in the list of other podcasts? Yeah. Um, and if you don't, like, if you just leave it blank, then how is Apple or Spotify going to say, oh, well, if you like Pokemon Go podcast, then you might like this one. Like, so having a good detailed description and tags in your podcast, it does tremendous. And when I've really, when I'm put more work in that, then the numbers grow. Like if I just leave it episode one blank, the people who work on Spotify and iTunes, they're not going to listen to my podcast to just so they can tell other people, Hey, you might like this one. Bit spammy that, isn't it? That sort of tactic. Oh yeah. So do you use your podcast to promote your sobriety lifestyle coach now? Um, yes and no. Since I really haven't done a an episode in over a month, I really haven't been talking about it. Uh my Instagram has switched over to that now. I will still promote my podcast on Instagram, but really, you know, I'm not yeah, I'm not really promoting it on my podcast, mainly because I haven't been creating content. I, with my clients, I will direct them to my podcast because maybe somebody that I interviewed has gone through the same problem and they can just watch that, save me the time. That person can maybe help them out more and then they can direct get in contact with that person through their social media or whatever but they're gonna work hand in hand like the podcast kind of carved the path for it to get that vulnerability out there and just to get out there and you know just because uh, i'm a sobriety lifestyle coach doesn't mean like somebody else can't learn from those experiences so given you've had such success You've made massive changes, really. Like when you talk about 2018 being such a bad year to where you are now, you've really had really massive success. And congratulations to you on making the effort to put in the work to make the changes that is required for you to get where you are now. It's just amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's. And so what, I guess, what would you say to people, to guys who had been sort of back like seven years ago, back in your shoes and to where you are now? So what would you say to people? You know, what advice would you give them? If I was to tell myself the seven 
year old seven younger version of me oh great my life would be today tell you to go fuck you i mean i would tell you that you're lying yeah like it just i never thought my life would be this good like i don't think i could tell anybody because it's just my life is so much better it's priceless Mm -hmm. and where the mindset that i was seven years ago there's nothing you would have said i was lucky not to go to prison and like that was all i was worried about but if i was to say something i'd say just do it just start if you fail fail forward just like in in life or business, if you fail in sobriety, fail forward, learn from it, see what you can do different, and you will be blessed. Like, I'm not the wealthiest man today, but my serenity level is pretty awesome in that that's the important part. But once you're sort of operating that place of happiness and joy, then everything else seems to fall together. You're fine in your world. Yeah, yeah. Last month uh, is a great example of that. I was doing what I thought I wanted, what I wanted. I put my podcast on pause. I put everything else on pause. I was moving to a different city. My life was blown. My bank account got frozen. My car's getting repoed. Like I get, I moved to a different town. I get, I get kicked out of that house. I have to come back. I'm like, just, what's going on? And then when I really just like focus on like, what am I doing? Like I'm, I need to focus on my podcast and my business. And once that happened, the phone started ringing. Emails started coming in. I'm just like, what? It's crazy. Yeah. I think when you're operating from a place of joy and you're doing something that you're really happy about, because you're putting that energy out there, aren't you? You're putting that intention out to the universe. And then once you start doing that, you'll find that everything in your life will start falling into place for you. You'll have these crazy coincidences that start to happen. Yeah. It's unbelievable. When I don't control my life, the stars line up and it's priceless. And I wouldn't have believed anybody seven years ago. So Robert, thank you so much for being here and talking to me on my podcast today. Is there any one last tip or any one last thing you want to say to people about anything you want to share? Be persistent. Don't give up. Fail forward. Yeah, that's it. So where can people find you if they want to subscribe to you or follow you or hear more about your story? Uh, So my podcast is on Google Play and Spotify. It's called None of Your Business. My Instagram is Robert underscore Delude. My Facebook is Robert Delude. Message me if you are going through any of the things that I mentioned or just want to listen to my podcast. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I've loved hearing about your story and I loved thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing more about what happened to you. And I hope more men can get some sort of benefit and learn a bit more about this, about what's also happened to you in your past and also how other people can get inspiration about how you've created your podcast and how you're following your path and following your journey. And even though you knew seven years that you always want to do that, you've actually taken action and you've you've actually created that and you've done it. You haven't just gone put it on the I wish, I wish, I wish. You've actually taken the steps. And even when you had absolutely no money, you still took the steps to go ahead and create your dream. So congratulations on doing that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, uh, and I'm honored that you asked me to be on here. So thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Hey, Freedom Seekers. I hope you enjoyed listening to Robert's inspiring story about he has overcome his addictions. You just never know what is going on in someone else's life until you delve a little bit deeper. It can be frightening to be vulnerable, so I congratulate Robert on being so open with us and sharing how he's overcome so many challenges. Make sure you go and connect with him on social media and subscribe to his podcast, None of Your Business. You can find the show notes at jackiewilliams.com forward slash podcast forward slash Robert Delude. And Robert Delude is spelt R-O-B-E-R-T-D-E-L-U-D-E. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the Summit Social Academy, a value-packed social media marketing, education, and mentorship platform. If you wish to know more about how to create an online business so that you have a second income or wish to buy your boss, or perhaps you have a bricks and mortar business and wish to generate more leads for your business, head over to my website, jackiewilliams.com forward slash courses. I have a very special offer for you. Now, Jackie is spelt a little bit differently, J-A-C-Q-U-I. So go to Jackie, which is J-A-C-Q-U-I, williams.com forward slash courses. You can find me on Instagram at underscore inspiring underscore freedom or on Facebook, Jackie Williams Digital Marketer. And please come over to my Facebook group, The Boss Free Inner Circle. If you like today's show and wish to show support, please subscribe to this podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen. So that wraps it up. I shall be back next week. I'm talking to Dr. Shelley Bassard. Shelley is a world-renowned sex and relationship coach, author, speaker, tantra practitioner, yoni egg goddess, chiropractor, and most importantly, a happy married wife. Shelley is all about sexual energy and how to harness sexual energy to create abundance. Until then, freedom seekers, take care. Bye for now.